So dear praying family, I want to share something that encouraged me while I was uh, on a plane on Monday. And uh, while I do so, turn please to Isaiah chapter 32. So on Monday, I was continuing to read Andrew Bonner's complete biography on Robert Murray McShane. And I found a paragraph about his weekly prayer meeting that started as soon as he was ordained a preacher. And there were several things here that I felt identified with, and I want to see, I mean, I'm not going to read the paragraph, but I will share uh, some of what happened on that prayer meeting. They say that, uh, so uh, Andrew Bonner says that Robert Murray McShane heard how meetings of this kind had been blessed in other places. And so he loved having a Thursday evening set apart for this purpose. Um, he says that one of the first effects this prayer meeting had was to quicken those who had already believed, saying that they were often refreshed upon these occasions even more than on the Sabbath, on Sundays. That some of the most solemn seasons of his ministry were at those meetings. He says that in his prayer meeting, he would give his people a scripture to be hidden in, in their hearts, generally a promise of the spirits. And then he will also read, uh, well, prayer will go before and prayer will follow. Then he will read some history of revivals and make some comments on it. And he said uh, in, in another time, they will doubtless, these meetings, be remembered in eternity with songs of praise. And later he will say that there were so many believing and so many inquiring souls there that you seem to breathe the atmosphere of heaven. And when I was reading this, this is a biography, but when I was reading this part specifically, I said, I know what you're saying, brother McShane. <laughs> I've been there, I have experienced the same thing almost with the same format in my uh, United Prayer Group and in my Grand Rapids prayer meetings or whatever I go in the world, it's the same, it's just a solemn time. And in this prayer meeting, he, when, when he first began, he shared a text, and that's what I will do the rest of the time, is share this first text with this beautiful promise uh, that he used to encourage his people to prayer. So let's turn now then to uh, Isaiah chapter 32, and I will read verses 13 through 20. It says the word of the Lord, upon the land of my people shall come up thorns and briars, yea, upon all the houses of joy in the joyous city, because the palaces shall be forsaken, the multitude of the city shall be left. The forts and towers shall be for thence forever. A joy of wild asses, a pasture of flocks. Until the spirit be poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness be a fruitful field, and the fruitful field be counted for a forest. Then judgment shall dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness remain in the fruitful field and the work of righteousness shall be peace, 
and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation and in sure dwellings and in quiet resting places when it shall hail coming down on the forest and the city shall be low in a low place. Blessed are ye that sow beside all waters that send forth thither the feet of the ox and the air. So this text is wonderful. There is so much in it, but we can only go for a little bit. I would love to hear an expository preaching on this, on this text. But it contains uh, the promise that McShane wanted to hide in the hearts of his praying family. Um, a promise to help them not to faint in prayer. So this, the text, first of all, speaks of the desolation that will come upon the land. It talks about even in verse 14, how there's the, the forts and the towers become a nice place for wild animals to live and for livestock to pasture. The desolation that will come upon the land is absolute. It's most likely war, captivity, and scarcity of food. So you're looking at empty shelves and people displaced. But he talks about his people. He says, upon the land of my people shall come up thorns and briars. Many times we wonder what happened to God's people in America and in the whole world too. For that matter, we see, for example, a generation raising the church, leaving the church and becoming completely godless. We do have some in our midst uh, who have experienced that and we pray with them. Uh, but also we see in our church today, Christians suffer long seasons of discouragement and backsliding. And these are often. We see that most people around are unbelievers and we feel as aliens, we feel like we're people because we're a singular people in the midst of so many unbelievers. And Jesus said that that would happen, but he used not to be like that, for example, in, in places such as the UK or America. And not to talk about those in the church, because there's the, there are big parts of the church, like 90% of the church or so, in some congregations are unbelievers. So I think about those kinds of things when I read, upon the land of my people shall come up thorns and briars. This is very sad. But then we come to verse 15 when it says, until the spirit be poured upon us from on high and the wilderness be a fruitful field and the fruitful field be counted for a forest. This is the promise I want to bring to you today. Look closely at the effects of the outpouring of the Spirit. First, it says the wilderness becomes a fruitful field. And then the fruitful field becomes like a forest. So imagine a land where there is nothing, there is a wilderness. There, some stuff begins to grow from zero. And where there was fruit in the fruitful field, what was there grows more. So people see it and say, that's not a fruitful field. That's a forest. That's something completely different. And that's what revival and outpouring of the spirit looks like. 
First, the Spirit falls upon numerous unbelievers. Let's say people outside the church who have nothing to do with God. They know nothing about His Word, His ways, church, nothing. They hate it all. Well, those people become fruitful believers. Then the people, something can never be converted. Well, those get saved. And that's how the wilderness becomes a fruitful field. And then second, as the spirit is moving, those who are already believers will bear more fruit. So much that you can say that so-and-so has really changed and grown in their relationship with Christ. You see them becoming like Christ. You see them bearing more fruit. Perhaps a young man gets called to the ministry. Perhaps someone decides to start something big for God, and they start just bearing fruit in their, in their character and in the things they do, the work of their hands. And that brings glory to God. Because people say, you're not just a fruitful garden, you're a forest. But that's for the glory of God. And John 15 verse 8 says, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit much fruit not just fruit but much fruit so so shall ye be my disciples and this is what happened in acts if you remember the spirit was poured upon them from on high that's where this promise was first fulfilled and then the wilderness all of these people that were there from different nations got saved and three thousand were added to the church on that day and the disciples received the Holy Spirit and became very, very fruitful. But there's more. In verse 20 says, Blessed are ye that sow beside all waters. So imagine this. You can sow beside all waters and all the places where you sow, stuff grows. <laughs> your neighbor falls under conviction of sin. The young people in your church get converted. Your family member gets saved. Everywhere you sow, stuff comes up because the Spirit has been outpoured on the land. So this is prayer material. I think this Isaiah chapter 32 is prayer material until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high. So let us call upon the Lord today saying, Lord, upon the land of your people have come up thorns and briars until you pour your spirit from up high and the wilderness be a fruitful field and the fruitful field be counted for a forest. So let's pray the Lord to do this, amen.